Carter. Welcome back to another Impact Tonight of the Impact Education Leadership. This is episode 167. Your host, 93 for Isaac Drew on Thursday nights. Panelists are Sensei, Jun, P, Marion, and Randy Boom Boom Blake. Boom Boom Blake, please say hello to the people. Hey, everybody. Happy New Year. Uh, good to see you guys. Good to see you. And Sensei, Jun, Marion, please say hello to the people. It's excited to be on your show again and talk to people that are from all over the globe. You've got you've got a great international thing going. So thank you for having me back. And it's only because of God and people like you, sir. Tonight's topic is mindfulness and being my best self. I'll say it again. Mindfulness and being my best self. I think this is gonna be one of those episodes where you're gonna need to listen close. Randy Blake, when you heard the topic for the night, what was the first thought that came to your mind, sir? Man, just yeah, that's that's the key the key word is being my best self. And I think oftentimes, especially in twenty twenty three now, well twenty twenty two, twenty twenty three, you know, we live in this social media world and we uh we can look up and watch anything at the palm of our hands on social media. And ultimately what ends up happening is we start comparing ourselves to others. And we start trying to run their race rather than run our race. And I'm looking forward to kind of unpacking this subject a little bit. Well, it's going to be hot. It's going to be hot. And Sensei, John, Marion, please tell us, what was your thoughts when you got to talk for the night? Well, I tell you, you're talking about mindfulness, right? So to me, you know, it's important to be deep into your mindfulness, being thinking deeply about the things that matter to you. Like, what is your purpose? What is your passion? And are you taking action each and every day from the morning you wake up? That's what people have to be thinking about. There's no should be no sitting around, laying around, wasting your life away when every day you wake up, you're lucky to be breathing and alive. And I know that from having several close calls with death to appreciate my existence and to live my passion and make the biggest difference in the world. And I, that's what it's really all about. Self-care means being honest about what you need and following through on the fundamental questions using simplicity. Practicing self-care can be as simple as knowing your limits. Depression is a common illness worldwide, with an estimated 3.8% of the population affected, including 5% among adults and 57 among adults older than 60 years old. More than 280 million people worldwide suffer from depression. Depression is different from the usual mood fluctuations and short-lived emotional responses, challenges in everyday life. Ensuring our needs are met is as important as caring for those we love most. When turning your attention toward yourself and focusing on your challenges and getting through it, well, that's what we're going to talk about tonight. I want to start off by thanking the panelists for coming back to the podcast. Uh, I'm, I'm, really, I'm really, really honored uh, to have you here, especially for a topic like this, because you both are martial artists. We've heard your stories on how you got into martial arts, but uh, as it relates to the topic tonight, what are some of the ways when, uh, when I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking about the movie with the Karate Kid, when he was told to wax on and wax off, Wax on, wax off, wax on, wax off. This technique was was what he used to win his battles. 
What are those things that you have used, and I want to open up the panel real quick. What are those things that you have used personally to win battles in your life personally? John Marion, could you go first? You know, it's, um, it's so many things. I mean, first, I just, you know, I wanted to at least touch base on what you said about depression. When people have depression or any level of deep sadness, I think we've all had it at some level. Um, you know, before they started diagnosing and labeling everything, everything's a label now. You're depressed, you're anxious, you've got bipolar, you're a narcissist, everything's labeled. I think we're, we're, you know, like a rainbow, we have an array of all of those experiences in our life. I'm much deeper in each of those experiences, but with depression is people who can't let go of what happened in the past. Anxiety, fear of moving forward, fear of the future. It's about being in the present, being right here, right now, because... When we're present, presence means to me, like this moment is the future of yesterday and the past of tomorrow. So all there really is, is right now. And the more we focus on being in the now, that's the, the most powerful way to deal with depression, is making the most of where you are right now. Like, think, what am I gonna do right now? You can't change what happened, and what you do right now affects moving forward. So, beginning there. There's three things I tell people. You have to remove the negative self-talk. The negative self-talk is what's toxic. Saying negative things about yourself, even joking. You shouldn't even be joking about those negative things. And then eliminating those people who say those things to you. I can't begin to tell you how many times people said, you, you can't do it. Like I talked about the Apollo Theater. You can't go there. They're not going to accept you. But what I had to go through to accomplish getting on that kind of stage is always that you can't. Or when I went to compete and I went out there, I was in a uh, world championship fight and we had no weight divisions when I fought. We fit four full contact, no weight classes. And I'm looking at the guy from India and I'm saying, I'm, I'm thinking, how can I even get out there? He looked like a monster. And the other master next to me says, well, if you think that way, there's no way you can fight him. He says, pick one move and believe in that move and just do that move. And I went out there and I used my backhand and I did it in every direction. And then I started using kicks and I didn't just beat him. I really beat him. And I learned from then the thought process, like what you say is projecting everything you're experiencing. So that's really where, that's what it's all about. It's about that self-belief and Absolutely. it comes from the making choices and, right. and, and, Enabling that courage within. Randy Boom Boom Blake, let me go to you real quick because that was so good and that's a lot to consume. How have you used your humility to create your, your message? Your, your, your message about getting to, to peace, getting to wholeness, uh, uh, navigating through uh, the challenges of, of life. What, how, how did you do it, sir? How did I do it? Um, well, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I think sometimes, like we kind of talked in our last discussion, <clears throat> a, lot, a lot of people would say or question, well, you know, he's kind of figured a lot of these things out by itself, but um, that's really not the case in my situation. Um, I've had a lot of help. I've had, I'm sure as uh, Sensei Marion would probably attest to this as well, you know, being in martial arts for as many years, you know, you, you, you have some type of coach, some type of mentor, some, some type of, uh, 
person that you can look up to, a leader, a role model that ultimately can see things in you that you can't always see in yourself. So, you know, you, you kind of brought up the analogy, Isaiah, about uh, Karate Kid. I've, I've had many, many Karate Kid moments, many, many, but I think a, a good story for you guys maybe understand for me that it kind of sticks was, I would say Karate Kid 3. And, you know, the, the kid was basically training and he had somebody he was kind of in his head on, you can't do this, you can't do this. And they were ultimately striking fear, right? And it came a point in time, at the very end of that fight, Mr. Miyagi said, all right, look, you need to focus. You focus, you can win this fight. And then actually, Daniel-san gets out there and wins the fight. Well, that kind of brings up the story of, you know, I was training, this happened in 2016. Uh, I was training for one of my world title fights. I had a guy flying in to my hometown from Great Britain. And before that, training was great. I mean, at this point in time in my career, I'm on it. My discipline, my mental mindset, everything is great. And <clears throat> watching his videos, I noticed he'd always drop his right hand when he would throw a right leg round kick, whether it be to the leg, body, head. There's a right kick. He always dropped his right hand. So I knew in my mind, cool, we should throw the left hook. So I literally drilled with my coaches for 12 weeks, left hook, left hook counter. Every time he throws that right kick, we're going to come back and throw a left hook. So my confidence was skyrocketed going into to, uh, this fight. And we get there fight night in the first round. We clash up. We throw a few blows back and forth. And I remember clinching up with the guy. And I threw a knee. And my opponent, he actually called a foul, which I still to this day believe I hit him in his stomach. But he called a foul, meaning I hit him in the ground. So... In that world, you get up to five minutes to recover. I get to my corner, he, or neutral corner. He goes to his corner. I happen to look down, and my left bicep is literally rolled up underneath my armpit. And to this day, I don't know what I did for that to happen. It happened in the first round. Uh, my bicep is rolled up. I am now in excruciating pain, and the fight went downhill from there. I stopped throwing punches. I stopped throwing kicks. I stopped believing in myself. I feared because I spent 12 weeks throwing a move, and now I can't use that move anymore. So what do you do in that situation? you got to have a coach. And I had that Mr. Miyagi moment at that point in time. It was right around that fourth round. And at the end of that fourth round, he says, look, if you don't throw any punches – you were going to lose the fight in that world title that's going on that plane all the way back to Great Britain. Is that what you want? Obviously, he's screaming and cussing and yelling at me and just trying to get me fired up. And you know what? It woke me up. And I had a Daniel Sonner moment, and I got out there, and I won the fight with one arm and two feet. Oh, that's so good. So if, no, go ahead. <laughs> no, go ahead, please. No, you know, I'm just going to say just, you know, sometimes, you know, our, our, our lives can teach us humility. But in my case, you know, I've had great coaches. I've had great mentors, life coaches who come to my life to help extrapolate that out to where now that's what I'm mostly doing is that's what I'm doing. I'm not a Mr. Miyagi. I can give that back to, you know, people as well. 
Amazing, amazing. You you led from humility, uh, hum, humility. Sorry, sorry about that. You met, you led from humility, and then I heard time management, and in the time management, I heard so much adjustment because you 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 adjusted only because you had structure, and from the structure and the adjustment came experience that that coach gave you in order to achieve um, excellence and, and that winning spirit and that and that masterful uh, art form that we call martial arts. I love this. I love this. Go with me really quickly to uh, in your in your minds and imagine we are walking through a gallery. We're walking through a picture gallery. And this and in this gallery there are frames, there are images of your past. Some of the images are good. Some of the image, uh, images are okay. But some of those images are, are challenging even now, perhaps, for you to look at. I want to open up the panel with this question. I want to open up the panel with this question. How does confronting your past allow you to break through your background in a way that helps you improve your decision making processes who wants to take that first i would love to take it but i'm trying to understand the question a little bit better you want to be if you could be clear on what the question is i could i would love to answer it yeah absolutely absolutely so how does confronting your past, the demons of your past, what you went through growing up, how have you been able to break through, especially those negative emotions, those precepts, those perspectives, the way you see things, your mindset, your disposition, your core values, your behavior, your pro-social behavior? How, I got how do you break through that well, and, you know and, in a way that helps you improve through. your decision making yeah. process yeah but i've been i've been through you know countless like just like um you know, i love first of all i love your story randy i think it's a beautiful story um but i would say this it, it's um i have a very unusual outlook on trauma and you know these these dark things that happen to people it is my best friend. Every bad thing that ever occurred is a beautiful thing. I don't view pain as um, something as this is a terrible thing. For example, I was, you know, was on the streets with my mom for a few years. My mother was addicted to drugs and you know, we were, you know, to, to be homeless, I, I experienced that. Having a place, not having a place, roaming the streets, not knowing if you're gonna live, not knowing if I was gonna eat. So. You know, her getting her welfare check and, you know, getting food from the food truck. And I remember these things like it was yesterday. But it's a beautiful thing. Because what I do, like in my place of business in New York City, I have my, my I have a leadership school and I use martial arts to teach leadership. So I have this studio and when I see a homeless person, I go right up to them. I'll have a, have a conversation with them. The re, my most recent one, I said, you know, what happened to you? And... Uh, he tells me a story, lost his job, and went, 
I said, you know, uh, he says, you need money. He says, yes. I said, for what? I said, you need food. I'll get you food. He said, I don't need food. I said, you need work. I'll give you work. He says, you have work? I said, yeah, come across the street. And I hand him a broom. And I said, you work. I said, if you can take care of this for 20 minutes, I'll give you, you know, $10, $15. Remember what I gave him for, for sweeping the outside. And we had a great conversation as he was telling me his life and he had this, he had this medical assistant job and he, he, was, he was actually an educated guy who just had some streak of challenges that he had not emotionally overcome. And he was so grateful for the conversation. I've had so many of those conversations with homeless people and they're incredibly rewarding. I'll tell you one other quick one. One was a veteran. because I'm John, John, before you do, since I... We want to hear about you. Yes, we want we want to hear a personal story about you. We want you to be transparent about you, not anybody else, but you. What was well, I mentioned that my the the trauma of being on the streets. I mentioned that and how I use that. It creates an empathy. When you have trauma, you have an empathy, a real, genuine understanding what other people are going through. Well, when I got bullied, I'll give you another one. You know uh, where. I was terrorized, where I was wrestled down every day by a school bully. He was a top wrestler on the team, he'd wrestle me down, and he knew I did martial arts, and then he, right in front of everyone he pushed me, I was like 17. I started to cry, he was so much bigger, and I was so scared, and I said, take your glasses off. And he used one hand to take his glasses off, and now he only had one hand. And then I pulled the Sugar Ray Leonard, and I hit him as fast as I could. It went down a whole flight of stairs. And I remember that day, and it was the pinnacle for me. It was one of those moments where I dealt with thinking I was going to die and coming out alive. So it affected me countless times, whether I was in a, a martial arts competition fight or a coworker who was threatening me. I never feared someone much bigger because I knew them how big they were, I can take them down if it was a street. And that was really, uh, the trauma of that was my power. It was not my fear, it was my power, is knowing what's possible, that you never allow someone to control you like that, not emotionally, not physically, because when they do that, when they, they take your power away, you're as good as dead, you don't feel alive anymore. And I'd rather be, I'd rather my body die than my spirit. And that's all I got to say about that. Powerful. So we'll pass it on to Randy. Yeah, that yes. was, thank you for that. Thank you. That was powerful, powerful, powerful. Yeah, beautiful. Now, just, just to add on to that, I mean, for, for, for me personally, how, how I navigated through all these situations was just having that martial arts background. That was, that was kind of like my backbone. Um, before all that, I was uh, spit on. I was bullied. Um you know, just, just made fun of the, the whole, the whole nine. Uh, obviously when I was bullied, it was different from how these kids are bullied today. I didn't have to deal with social media, but mine was more name calling and physical and, you know, things of that nature. So mar martial arts kind of helped me develop a sense of confidence and, uh, self-discipline, cur courtesy, respect, integrity, all, all, all of those concepts that I, I, I still apply those same values to myself today, because believe it or not, uh, I told you that 
those concepts that will happen with me as a child, they still happen today. But obviously today is more out of uh, this hatred and jealousy, which we kind of talked last, last time about. But it's still the same concept. Knowing, knowing how to deal with them is, you know, you, you have to take accountability for your own actions. Right. So that was something I, I would say I, I, I didn't quite know in my, my teenage years, I was always pointing the finger. It was always somebody else's fault, <laughs> you know, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of people who are listening on this episode might, might even attest to that. And, um, to give you a prime example, um, a good story to probably tell for this was I wasn't always in the best of shape. And in my early career, a lot of my fights, I won just off of pure athleticism. I wasn't training. I was still partying. I, uh, um, I was still clubbing. I was doing all the things that professional athletes should not be doing. And I honestly, I told myself, well, if I'm already winning these fights by a knockout, why does it even matter? And they were like Mike Tyson knockouts, first round, first, first minute, you know, two minutes of the fight. And I come up, come up to a fight that I took where I literally took it on, you know, a few weeks notice, no training. I'm talking about my diet was literally Wendy's and McDonald's every single day. And this fight, even though I won it, I felt that loss because I got gassed. I was super gassed, right? And gassed meaning out of shape. And I remember after that fight, I started blaming everybody. Oh, it was my coach's fault. Oh, you know, it was the person that was booing me in the crowd. Oh, this person threw ice. I got distracted, you know? And, but really, all I have to do is take accountability for myself, my, for my own actions. Like, hey, if I would have gotten up and ran every day, if I would have eaten broccoli, drank water, don't party, no clubbing, went to bed, got my exercise, got my rest, took my vitamins, this fight would have been a whole lot easier. So with that being said, you know, it starts with you. You know, you, you get to decide that. You know, either we can point the finger and blame everybody else and blame the whole world or we can start looking within ourselves and internalizing what are some things that I can fix? You know, doesn't mean I, I, I have to get a new team, you know, or for you guys listening, maybe I need to be around um, a better group of friends. You know, what, what, what is it that's making you not perform and be your best self? So those are some things that kind of helped me was being accountable for my own actions. You knocked it out the ballpark. I'm telling you, you knocked out the ballpark. Let me go. Let me. I want to open up the panel again. I know that panel is still open. We're gonna leave it open for a little bit because we got a sensei on here. We got a, a master uh, martial artist, a five-time world champion, and I want to talk about. I want to talk about role models. I want to talk about mentoring. I want to talk about coaching. I want to talk about why is that so important? How do uh, when picking the right mentor? How are they able to find the masterpiece in you? How are they able to and find those to find those invisible areas that you don't see your blind spot? How are they able to see the beauty of you hidden in plain sight? Despite your illusions, despite your disillusions, despite your confusion. Who wants to take that first? What why is find the right mentor? Go ahead, please. 
You know, I my mentor, my first mentor was my father. He taught me Shirinjiru Shaolin style of karate for 26 years. And uh, my dad was, you know, he was rough. It was not an easy um, road for us. But he made me, you know, I reached the point where one year I had won almost the triple crown. Nobody won the triple crown in, in this, to hit the, the system's history. But the triple crown is when you win first in forms, first in weapons, and first in fighting. I took first in forms, first in weapons, and I took second in fighting, and I did it with a bronchial ammonia. I, had, I wasn't even supposed to compete that day because I was so run down. But my dad was so hard on me. Even when I got in the car that day, he's like, I don't know what you were doing out there, even though I was considered the best. And, you know, one could say it's abusive. One could say that it builds character. Uh, mostly it built character for me. Sometimes it, it felt way more rough than it needed to be. Um, so there was that mentor. Then I had my move, father moved to Florida. Then I had Leo Fong, who was closest to Bruce Lee. And uh, he, was, he was like a best friend mentor. It was like we had hours of conversation. And I got you know, letters that Bruce Lee wrote to him, like in my, in my file, like just the, the depth of the history and the open-mindedness and more of, a, more of a guide type of mentor, not a do it this way, it's you know, my way or the highway kind of mindset. So I learned a very structured, traditional, you know, it's this way, don't question me. And then I came out and I entered the world of martial arts because I was, as I think I mentioned to you, I was a Reebok athlete where I was one of 200 athletes selected worldwide for a place called Reebok. And they had the gold medalists. And, and I wasn't that guy that was the best fighter in the world. I was just the all-around person that had uh, a, a, the basics, really solid, a good traditional system, but the teaching. But when I explored other mentors like Leo Fong and Bill Wallace, super for Bill Wallace, who's extraordinary. Um, and then I also connected with this woman named Tao. She was the oldest yoga teacher in the world. When you bring yoga into the mix, it's a game changer. And I wake up in the morning now, I'm, I'll be 58. I do all three splits on the ground with no warm up, full back bend, all with deep breathing and contraction in my legs. And that freedom came from having all this, all this direction from all these legends. So when you train with legends, people that have been around, it's, that's how you get good. You really have to have that empty glass people talk about. And the best mentors are the ones that guide you. They don't say, this is the way. They say, go find your way. And they give you the tools and you go find your way. And then I had a friend, um, one other friend, and, and we definitely shall want to hear Randy's uh, take, but his name is Marcos Martinez. He's my best friend. He was an undefeated uh, UFC fighter. He had beaten the Gracies at one point. He never lost a UFC match. I met him about 23 years ago at Reebok. Did not want to even spar with this guy. Uh, we became best friends. And, uh, you know, I learned, I learned, you know, a better ground game the basics of the ground and learn to believe in myself in a different way. And I ended up having to use those movements in dealing with adversaries. So, you know, it's just, these mentors are so important. 
we should never stop having them. You know, it's like uh, even if someone knows something I don't know, in that moment, that's my guide, that's my mentor. I got to listen and keep the cup empty. No, that was really good. Really, really good. Randy Boomer Blake, what you got, sir? Man, yeah, that, <laughs> that was that was actually really, really good. No, yeah, he, he, he touched on everything. Um, what, what I would add to that is uh, the importance of a coach, of a mentor, a leader, role model. They can see things that the person on the field cannot see. I mean, obviously, you know, we, we have a martial arts background. I have a fighting background. But even if you want to add sports in the, in the mix, there's a reason you have a coach. I mean, you think about it. We have the Super Bowl coming up next month. We have the NBA Finals coming up here soon. And it's not about how good that player is or how good that fighter is. No, it boils down to coaching. Great people know that. If you don't have a good coach or a great coach who can really extract and see the offenses and the defenses, and I'm saying this metaphorically in life, then you don't get ahead. And so, honestly, for me, I didn't really understand the severity of what that meant because I was going to martial arts class. I mean, this is after I tried the college basketball thing out. You know, I failed at that. And that's ultimately what led me to, you know, becoming a partier. That's why I uh, was, was, was doing the clubbing. I was a, a, a bouncer uh, every Thursday, Friday, Saturday night. I was 19 years old. I was making 10 bucks an hour. I thought I was doing big things. But I was still going to martial arts class during the week. And I never will forget this because this guy, he's, he's not here today, but this is what makes this story so powerful, is I spent maybe two months with this guy in class, and we were, we were doing what's called semi-contact sparring. So for you listeners who are listening, it's literally you're not going 100 miles an hour, just technique, technical sparring, <laughs> kind of like playing tag, you're it. Well, after... Uh, martial arts class this instructor walked up to me and he says Randy I think that you need to do the fighters class I think that you need to be in there with the fighters he says I see something in you I know it sounds crazy but you really can be a, a really good fighter if you'll just go get back there and get some training and I blew him off and this went on for a while like at least two or three weeks and he cornered me one, one more time. And he said, hey, he says, uh, please, just try it one time. Just come back here. Come back here. Come spar with the guys. I promise you. You need to actually see what it feels like to hit somebody. Because in karate class, you, you, that's, that's not allowed. You can't hit people hard. You got to go to work the next day and things of that nature. So no black guys and whatnot. But he says, in this fighting class, we, we, we go pretty hard. And I said, oh, so like I can hit in the nose? And I get push-ups. He goes, yeah, but just make sure you know they can hit you back. <laughs> so I went to class, tried it out. I loved it. And that instructor actually came to watch me perform that night. And he says, Randy, he goes, I'm telling you. He says, if you keep doing this uh, fighting class, you can become a world champion. I promise you, mark my words on that. And then I keep in mind, he's talking to a 19-year-old kid at that time. I'm, I'm a baby, I'm new, fresh out of high school, college, all that good stuff. And I'm thinking to myself, how in the heck can I become a world champion? But he spoke something in me that I couldn't see in myself. And so shortly after that, I never saw that instructor again. 
he passed away. So it is very important to have a mentor, an instructor, a leader, a role model. You want to get around those guys. They can bring out the best in you. They say things, they strike, they, uh, they, they plant seeds, and that's ultimately the road or the fastest road to greatness. So um, if you've been keeping up with what I've been doing here recently, uh, I've got mentors in my life now who are helping me do things that I couldn't do on my own. And so a lot of people are going, well, how did you become a, a Amazon bestseller, international bestseller? How are you doing all these things? Well, I have a coach. So, you know, I, I give kudos to, you know, Grandmaster Jesse Bowen, Grandmaster Joe Corley. You know, I, I've, got, I've got help. I've got guys in my life constantly pouring and bringing these things out of me that I could never have done myself or that I even had the courage to even try to do it. I mean, write a book? Really? <laughs> but yeah, not to take too much time on that, but having a mentor is extremely important and they do amazing things for their students and for the players who are on the field playing the game. Listen, you heard it first. We're talking about mindfulness and building my best self. And it's almost impossible to do without a mentor. I want to go to Sensei. First of all, I want to thank both of the panelists uh, for tonight's discussion. This is going to help so, so, so many people, uh, young people and uh, mature people as well. I want to go to Sensei John Marion because I want to kind of talk about reflections. I want to talk about reflections and how uh, mentors help you with your reflections right they and sometimes those reflections help you work out the details sometimes those reflections cause you to separate to educate sometimes those reflections improve your behavior right because we're trying to get to a place where we become a master of myself everyone is a a masterpiece everyone is a work of art but it's those role models that help us build to the place where we can now display who we are we can now mount up like eagles we can now soar like a bird sensei john marion what would you tell students that have wrestled with confusion that have been bullied how would you I know you do it every day, but how would you use reflection to help them learn, to help them learn critically? How would you use reflection to help them grow? And what can you share to the listening audience? No, no, it, uh, you got me thinking deeply about what you're saying. It's just, um, it, it made me think of a story that Leo Fong, I mentioned, was closest to Bruce Lee. I mean, he spent many overnights with Bruce and, and uh, it, it's interesting because when I made the transition, my dad moved to Florida and I started to really rethink you know, who I was in martial arts after 26 years of an old system. My school was called Harmony by Karate. That was my school. The style was Shirin Drew, but I didn't feel like I was Shirin Drew. I didn't feel like I was that traditional system anymore and I was trying to and I was really exploring a lot of things I was just opening up my mind emptying the cup when I met Leo Fong uh, I was you know and this is to do with reflection as far as discovering your own truth 
right? And being honest about what that truth is. And it was just a lot of things that I, like I didn't believe in standing there, and I'm sure Randy can appreciate this, in a traditional posture where your hands are down or they're mid-range, those hands have to be up. You have to, be, you have to bob and weave. You have to touch and move. You can't be trying to block somebody's strike with your hand. You're not going to block Randy's strike or Mike Tyson's strike. You need to get out of the way. And I learned you got to block. You don't block nothing. There was a lot of questions I had about what I was doing. And uh, so Leo Funk said to me, he, he said, he says, John, he said, you're harmony by karate. That's what you are. Because I'm all about harmony, right? Everything I do is about harmony. Everything I teach is about harmonizing. And then he was telling me a story. He said he was with Bruce, and Bruce said to him, he said, Leo, why are you doing all these styles? You're doing, you know, Taekwondo, you're a Taekwondo expert. He said, he says, you're a pro boxer. He says, you know, now you're doing Kung Fu. He said, why are you doing all that? He said, why are you spending all your money on, on doing all that? So Leo said, he says, Bruce, man, I'm trying to find the ultimate. So Bruce poked him in the chest. He said, ultimate in you, Leo. He said, take the basics of all of that and make it your own. And that was the birth, his birth of Wei Kun Do. He had Wei Kun Do and then later Qi Feng. Uh, Qi Feng is a breathing, uh, a slow moving breathing system that actually he handed me the Qi Feng. I became the inheritor of that. I'm the, 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 the sole inheritor of his, one of his two systems. But that came from Bruce's um, pushing him to see his own truth. And that's what he did with me, with Harmony by Karai, to see my own truth and to go on that journey. So mentors are supposed to do that. So that was the reflection I had when you said reflections. I'm like, remember that like it was yesterday. It was in my car and I was just kind of feeling distraught. Like, who am I? And I was this Reebok athlete. And there I was like confused about like what, what my system was and what did I believe in? What didn't I believe in? And, I, and my beliefs were like, you know, if it's not simple, it's not going to work on the street. I had no interest in the flashiness of martial arts anymore. I got to go from point A to point B with that strike. If, even grappling, if it's not simple grappling movement, it doesn't work. And uh, there was a lot of things that I was very upset with in the martial arts world. And then I was upset with, you know, a lot of the things they don't tell you. They don't tell you, like, if you get hit in the head enough, you're done. You know, things that you do to your body when you're young, you're going to feel it when you get older. And if you're not into the healing aspects of martial arts, you're not going to have a good life. And they can't pay you enough as an athlete. So there were a lot of truths that I was facing in my 40s. And, uh, and thank God for that, because now it transformed my life. It transformed the way I taught and the way that we're doing things. And it brought more harmony the equation. So that's the importance of, of that truth and having those deep reflections. Listen, that was beautiful. That was absolutely, and that's, and that's what we're trying to get to in this conversation, the beauty that's hidden in, in plain sight. Randy, I, I know you got a story to tell about your daily reflections because we really need to, uh, we, we need to know. We, we need to know how how world champions reflect day in and day out because I think you have to do it. I, have to, I think you have to think yourself clear. 
uh, every day. How do you do it? Yeah, that's, yeah. When I when I think of the word reflection, it's just simply, you know, looking at yourself in the mirror. Um, I, I wake up every single day, and I always tell myself, you know, well, I actually always tell God, you know, thank you, you know, for giving me another day. Um, I'm healthy. I'm alive. I'm thriving. I'm happy. I'm, I'm, I'm helping make the world a better place. And doing those things, it, it, it helps you stay on track. It helps you stay uh, humble, grateful, thankful, and it continues to allow you to keep setting goals and set the bar higher, right? Because I think sometimes, and you know, we're, we're all human, and this is why I love doing podcasts. This is why I like talking to people because a lot of people forget that guys like me are human. I have the same thoughts that you're thinking. I have the same cravings. You know, I have the same restless nights. You know, I've got kids. I got to take out. It, it, it's all the same thing. And but sometimes people look and they put me in this separate category of I'm some superhero, some holier than thou. I never mess up. I never have struggles. I never have issues in life. And when I think about the word reflection, that is what keeps me wanting to do the right thing. Um, I know I mentioned my, my mentor before. Before I knew them, let's just say five years ago, I remember asking a guy, just a random guy, makes a lot of money. And so I asked, I said, um, okay, so how do, I, how do I become successful like you? And he told me, well, you just, you just get up at five o'clock in the morning and you'll figure it out. And when you get my age, you'll, you, you'll, you'll have all the answers. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, so I'm 30 years old, you're 70. <laughs> so you mean to tell me I have to go 40 more years before I figure it out? And I can't ask you because you won't necessarily be here in 40 years. I mean, just realistically, right? So, but you know, when you have mentors and you have people in your life, like, you know, a Jesse Bowen or a Joe Corley, these guys who ultimately give back, they all, they actually, they teach you and they break that generational curse. They're teaching me not to be that same, you know, grumpy man when I do become that age. So when that, that next generation comes along, you know, and they have a question, you teach them. That's reflection, right? So those are some things that I've learned. And I know this generation needs guys like, you know, Sensei Marion and myself and many of these other guys to step up and be leaders and, and give those those qualities back because they're 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 going to to be in that same field or that same position as you. And so for me, I've had the opportunity of being around a lot of great people and and yeah, that's what I see from reflection. Listen, I'm, I'm so excited tonight. We, we're out of time, but before we go, let me ask this one last question. After the conversation tonight, what would you leave the audience with as, as far as reframing their attitudes, reframing how they see themselves or themselves, and reframing themselves to be the best self that they could possibly be based off of the conversation we had tonight? What would you tell? What would you tell someone that was struggling, someone that was challenged, with being their best self 
after this conversation tonight, what would you tell him? <laughs> Who wants to go first? Randy, I'll go first. You go first. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll go first. Uh, yeah. So just based off of what we talked about today, I would tell people, um, you can't be who you were born to be until you face and learn your past and learn from your past. Know that you are not your past or your past mistakes. And I would also say, uh, Losing definitely doesn't make you a loser. So I know we we grew up in a generation of you you got to be perfect. You got to have it all together. You got to have three three houses. You know, fifteen cars. You know, all these things. You know, self self reflecting yourself, right? Uh, I would also say I would probably end with this: accept your mistakes. And I would also say, work on developing um, a growth mindset, and then that'll help you evolve past fixed thinking, which ties into everything that I just said. You know, a lot of people never get out of their past. You know, they'll go 30 years down the road, and then they'll still be thinking about the same thing that happened 30 years ago. Well, you got to hold yourself accountable. You got to take action, and you got to dig yourself out of that ditch, and then get back on track and then start moving forward, and then ultimately you become the coach, you become the reflection because you need to go back and go pull somebody else out and help somebody else. So that's kind of how I would end with that. Much I can I share with young people, but I, I'll give you some things that are really simple. First, for me, everybody has, you know, everybody has their own belief system, but you know, first is God, right? And when I say God, I don't mean, it, you know, to some people it's Jesus, it's Buddha, Muhammad, whatever God, whatever spoke in the tire, uh, a belief system that there's something greater. We came from nothing, we came from the invisible, and yet we question a creator. It makes no sense to me, right? We see a tree come out of the ground, we don't know where it came from, it came out of the ground. So, I believe in creation. I believe that we are co-creators, that we're co-creating our reality all the time. Our thoughts are manifesting everything all the time. It's all part of the God consciousness. Like, we have to understand that we're part of this great, great, amazing plan. And we have to see it bigger than this getting mentally stuck. Then we have to think about the gratitude, right? So that's the other G. Being really grateful, like being so grateful for, you can't have more unless you're grateful for what you already have. You can't manifest more unless you're in the joy of what is already you have in you and around you. And then you have to be giving. And giving is not just giving. You know, give with love, give with kindness. I like giving what I never got. I like to give to those people what I wasn't given. I find it to be powerfully healing and invigorating. And then there are, those are the G's, and then there are the P's, right? So you have, to, you have to have a purpose. Like, what is your divine purpose? What do you feel you're born to do? And to live, eat, and breathe what that purpose is. So you need patience. You need persistence. You need perseverance to achieve that divine purpose. And those are just some of my thoughts I would share to anyone listening. These are things that I live by, and I hope some of those things are helping whoever's listening to us today. So thank you for being on this uh, 
wonderful show of you, wonderful show of you as Isaiah, and with Randy Blake, it's a delight to uh, is to hear you know to talk to him tonight, be able to talk to him tomorrow. Facebook.